Chapter 2, South Africa, 1932-1960 The official reason my mother gave for leaving was politics. I couldn't stand the politics, she said, and pointed to March 1960, when 69 people had been killed in Sharpeville while protesting against apartheid. She had been to a couple of meetings, she said, and had to decide whether to stay and commit or leave altogether. This was the story as she told it. No one in her family had ever been to England. Her father's ancestry was Dutch. Her mother's, she said, had been French. But, like most English-speaking white people in the colony, she had grown up thinking of England as a point of origin. She was a great reader and had ploughed her way through the 19th century English novels. She identified strongly with Jane Eyre, even more so with Bertha Mason, and not at all with Cathy in Wuthering Heights, who she thought made a spectacle of herself, carrying on like that at the window. She would have sympathised with Virginia Woolf's put-down of Catherine Mansfield, who was said to have appeared in ghost form after her death, which Woolf thought typical of the woman, to be caught leading such a cheap, posthumous life. Her favourite Austen heroine was Elizabeth Bennet, for what she saw as her keen lack of hysteria. I knew she'd been born in Durban, in her Auntie Cathy's house, and that when she was two years old, her mother had died of tuberculosis. I also knew that around the age of five, her father had remarried, but of his second wife, where they met, who her family was, or anything much about her beyond her name, Marjorie, I knew nothing. My mother had no sympathy for her, although her life would seem to have been hard. She was pregnant for more or less a decade after marrying my grandfather, and my mother, like many eldest children in a family that size, was put in the position of surrogate parent to some of her half-siblings. She never called them half. She called them my brothers and sisters. If it struck me as odd that we never saw or heard from them, I didn't dwell on it. Like most children, the life my parents led before I was born was a rumour I didn't believe in. When I gave her childhood any thought at all, I thought it sounded kind of fun, like cider with Rosie, but with deadlier wildlife. My mother was tall, slim, not athletic exactly, but aware of her own strength. She was very blonde as a child, and no matter what she did with her hair, couldn't get it to curl. This was the era of Shirley Temple, and my mother presented it to me as the tragedy of her childhood, lank hair. But she had large brown eyes and high cheekbones, and one day, as she left the schoolyard, two little boys shouted after her, We love you, we love you. Maths was her subject. She worked hard at school, each week competing for first place with a girl called Stella. But whereas Stella was gifted, said my mother, she had to work for it. She gave me a meaningful look. Oh, cut it out, I thought. She wanted to be a nurse, but the teacher took her aside and said, Nonsense, you should be a doctor. Since most of her schooling took place in English-speaking Natal, in the southeast of the country, she never learned Afrikaans, which didn't stop her years later startling Dutch guests around the pool in Mallorca by trying to use it to engage them in small talk, while I slid behind my paperback and pretended to be Spanish. She sometimes referred to her father as Jimmy. He had worked in the gold mines, or as an engine driver, and she was rather proud of the latter. Of the two jobs, it's the one she chose to list as his profession on her marriage certificate. She showed me a poem he had written once, which he had given to her when she left South Africa. It was called Salutation to the Dawn, and was full of soppy descriptions of the sky and wildlife. He probably copied it out of a book, she said bitterly, a rare break in tone. Most of her recollections ran along jollier lines. 
She told me her brother knew Tarzan, and I believed her. My dad tried to rival this claim by saying his brother knew Kermit the Frog, but this I did not believe. His brother lived 40 miles away in London, and Kermit, as everyone knew, lived in New York with Miss Piggy. She told me of various capers involving the family dogs. One was killed at a picnic when a scorpion bit him on the nose. Another, Caesar, was killed when a neighbour threw out a piece of steak for him, studded with glass. My mother couldn't remember why. At one point they had a Great Dane who adopted a baby chick from the yard when its mother abandoned it. They called the chick Tarzan and let it sleep in the crook of the dog's giant forelegs. When they put food out for the dog, Tarzan would hop onto the side of the bowl and eat with him. What happened to Tarzan? I said. My mother looked blank. I can't remember. We probably ate him. It didn't occur to me until much later that the moral of most of my mother's stories was look lively or die. She told me about Flora, the maid. They were poor, said my mother, but they were still white. And so, despite having nothing, a succession of black women roaming the countryside with even less installed themselves in the kitchen and started work in the hope of eventual remuneration. Poor things, said my mother. She remembered Flora in particular. She had been abandoned by her husband and had gone round the bend. Every day, she dragged the gramophone out into the yard and wedged it beneath the peach tree, which she climbed to scan the horizon for her lost love, while Tony, my mother's little brother, stood sentry at the base of the tree. Tony, where's my husband? Flora wailed. Tony, where's my husband? It was a great catchphrase of my youth. While the gramophone played, if I had wings like an angel over these prison walls, I would fly. There was a single story my mother told from the period between her mother dying and her father remarrying. It wasn't even a story, just an image. They were living out in the wilderness somewhere, her father working night shifts in the mine, and he would leave her at dusk with an oil lamp burning. She was five years old. At some point in the night, the lamp would burn out, and I would be alone in the dark. <laughs>